2: Paolo Caro is an NBA All Star. Why? This is a long time coming and means so much to the Orlando Magic. Plus, our trade deadline tour continues, maybe concludes, but continues on today's episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 2nd, or it will be February 2nd, 2024. My name is Philip rossman I'm the expert insight site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, Paolo Bancaro is officially an NBA All-Star. How he did it and what it means for this franchise moving forward, plus... We'll continue our trade deadline tour, as you can see on the rundown over there, and talk about Buddy Healed and what it might cost for the Magic to get shooters. We'll also dive into a little bit, actually, with, with, our, with our friend Tony East of Locked On Pacers about why the Pacers decided to push their chips in now and what that means for the Magic moving forward. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Magic is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. Obviously, Thursday was the day that we have all been waiting for. Um, A, a day of confirmation. Uh, a, you know what? The NBA didn't tell us anything we didn't already know. Like, honestly, like we've been sitting here, we've been talking about it. I've been pitching it. Jamal Mosley's been yelling it from the mountaintops. Thursday did not tell us anything we didn't already know. And even if Paolo Bancaro didn't get named a reserve for the all-star game, in all likelihood, he would have been one of the alternates selected to be an injury replacement with Julius Randle, rightfully. And I'm very happy that he got named an all-star reserve despite his injury. Rightfully named an all-star reserve. As well as Joel Embiid, who, as as reported, came out may need surgery to repair a torn meniscus, and and will likely in either way, whether he has surgery or not, will likely miss All Star weekend next uh, in a couple of weeks. So, um, undoubtedly, Paolo Baneira was going to be playing in the Sunday game, but to be selected by the coaches, to be a, a full reserve, to to not need that special dispensation from the commissioner, it feels confirming. Of everything that we have seen from this, for seen from him uh, and seen from him these first two seasons, look the the numbers honestly speak for themselves. You know, I, I don't know what numbers some people are looking at John Hollinger um, that would suggest that Paolo Bancaro is not an All Star, but the numbers to me, you know, maybe not some of those advanced numbers that like very specific things. The numbers to me suggest that Palo Bancaro is an all-star. 23 points per game, seven rebounds per game, five assists per game. He's shooting 45.3% from the floor and 35.8% from beyond the arc. He's a usage rate of exactly 30%. He is facing I think I read a stat that he is one of the most double-teamed players in the entire NBA. Every time we mention some statistical category, in fact, I think in his last 25 games, he's averaging 25, um, 25, 7 and 5. And the only players that have done that. The only players younger than 21 or 25 or something like that that have done, or the only players younger than 21 or 21 or younger that have done that in the last like 10 years is Luka Doncic and LeBron James. Like these are the lists we keep putting Paolo Bancaro on. The things that he is doing, only the great players do. And, 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 and so regardless of whether it was going to happen this time or this year, it was going to happen. He was going to be an all-star. But the fact that the Magic are now in the postseason chase, the fact that this Magic team has never been below 500 this entire season, the fact that the Magic are winning, sorry, Scotty Barnes, sorry, Trey Young, the fact that the Magic are winning made the case that much stronger. But again, all you have to do is watch the kid play. All you have to do is watch Palo play. There's a control. There's composure. There's an understanding and, frankly, a figuring out of what he has to do as the team star to put them in a position to win. Look, Paolo's really good. Like, really, really good. And I know I watch him in, in the way that he has grown over the last two years, because, you know, obviously you've only watched him now for a year and a half, season and a half. Um, and I just I think of how much he has grown and gotten better, even as this season has gone on. That that mid-range jumper, he has found his spots, he's found ways to get to his spots. There are just certain shots that he takes now that are just automatic. And that wasn't the case last year. Last year he was still figuring everything out. But let me tell you what this really means. Uh, let me let me tell you what why this is so important for Magic fans and why this is such a, a big big moment for this franchise. If you've listened to this show for eight years, I think this is season eight, um, you know that I'm a Nikola Vucevic fan. Nikola Vucevic was the last all-star for the the Orlando Magic, but when he made it, we were just happy that he made it. We didn't expect anything more. We didn't expect that second trip to the all-star game. We knew that that was a team that was at the end of its run, and Vucevic was among the oldest first-time All-Stars in NBA history. I think, I think Kyle Lowry uh, had him beat on that. But we knew that that was a flash in the pan. And we were hoping, like we, we talked about this, you could go into the archives, we were hoping that someone like Aaron Gordon would take the reins. I know I know, I spent the whole summer after the 2019 playoffs saying, the 2020 season needs to be Aaron Gordon becoming a star. That, that's what we were obsessed with. This is different. You know, we knew that that team had a limit. What we are seeing now and what this all-star birth confirms is that we are watching a team that doesn't have a limit. A team that is still discovering itself and making steps and progress along the way. This is not going to be the last time Paolo Bancaro is an all-star. This is the first of many. The first to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten All Star games, and, and I know Paolo don't want to say that because he's, you know, if you watched all the all the material that the Orlando Magic put out afterwards, he was still kind of absorbing the moment. Like it was, it's honestly watching him on the Orlando Magic Pod Squad, watching him do the interview with with Josh Cohen. Um, honestly, watching all of that was the first. It's like the first time I've seen him be like a twenty one year old in a very long time. Um, that that speaks to the maturity that this kid has. This is not going to be the last time he is here. Everybody who watches this match, even the people who didn't think Paolo should have been an all-star this year, recognize the path that he is on. Recognize the direction that he is going. And they recognize that this Magic team isn't just a flash in the pan. What this obviously represents to the Magic is, is a Magic player. The Magic star player is going to be on the biggest stage he's ever been on. You know, yeah, FIBA World Cup is a big stage. But, you know, we get our one national TV game one uh, one week from Tuesday um, when, the, when we play the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's a big night for Shaquille O'Neal. That night's not even necessarily about this year's team. Uh, like, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're retiring Shaq's jersey. But... That night's not about this year's team anymore. All-Star Weekend is going to be a huge stage for him. And now this franchise, this team, this player is in another stratosphere. Like I said, whenever we run Paolo's stats through historical context, we are told that he is doing something that only Hall of Fame players are doing. Narrow that focus to just the Magic. And he's doing things that only one of the eight previous All-Stars at the Magic have were doing. And no offense to our guys, Jameer Nelson or Richard Lewis or Nikola Vucevic, we're not talking about those guys. When we run Palo's stats through the historical context, we are talking about Shaq, we are talking about Penny, we are talking about Dwight, we are talking about T-Mac. We're talking about the very best this franchise has to offer. And of course, that is unfair expectations to put on a 21-year-old. That's that's unfair. But after 10 years lost in the desert, of 10 years of rebuilding and not having any direction, to have a second-year All-Star who is going to get better, leading a team in his second year, back to the promised land of the playoffs, to set this team's future in motion, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. This is something that's going to define this franchise and help push it forward. This is, quite frankly, really exciting stuff. This is I'm so happy for him. He has obviously earned it on the court. And obviously the magic with their record helped him get there too. And he helped the magic get there. Symbiotic relationship. But this is just the beginning. And I'm excited for him to get that first experience to be among his peers who have welcomed him by the way. Like the, the like again, the players voted Palo fourth among East Eastern Conference frontcourt players. The coaches now, the coaches have now shown us with their vote. They understand how much of a problem Palo Bancaro is. This is not a place he's going to leave anytime soon. And so it's very, very exciting to see that the Magic now have a true all-star, a perennial, potentially perennial all-star. And we'll see how much his game continues to grow as the years go on. Because, like I said last year, like this is the worst Paolo is ever going to be. If everything goes right, Paolo is never going to be worse than he is now. And he's pretty good right now. So he's only going to get better. Of course, one of the responsibilities the Magic now have as a team with an all-star is to build the right team around him. We're going to take get back on the trade deadline tour, talk a little bit about Buddy Heald and the Indiana Pacers rebuilding process. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for Quick Word for our friends over at FanDuel. Uh, the big game is almost here. We got the Pro Bowl here in Orlando this weekend, so you know we're getting close to the end of football season, and America's number one sportsbook has you covered for everything you want on Super Bowl Sunday. If you're like me, the big game is all about scoring the best seat on the couch. I always reserve that and grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super bets, maybe watching a few commercials. I'm sure there'll be a good FanDuel commercial there too. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three for the big game. Not only can you bet on who will win the game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit Fanduel.com slash on to sign up. That's Fanduel.com slash on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL.
0: This is Jake from Locked Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history.
2: We want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day for your next listen. Go check out the Lockdown Sports Today po- Sports Today 24-7, streaming, not a podcast, 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Get the lowdown on the Pro Bowl and prep for the big game as well, as well as all the news around the NBA, other reactions from All-Star Reserve announcements. I know our friends at Lockdown Timberwolves who Magic play on Friday. will have a lot to say getting two guys into the game with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. I'm sure our friends, our friend Sean Woodley at Locked On Raptors, is in his feelings about Scotty Barnes missing out missing out on the game. Our friend at, friends at Locked On Knicks, I'm sure, are also thrilled to have Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle there too. There's a lot going on in the sports world. Plus, we had a trade with, between the Thunder and the Rockets. You know, if you care about Steven Adams and Victor Oladipo, Locked On Podcast Network's there for you too. Check out the 24/7 streaming channel today. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube to he, to see what's going on in the sports world. Now let's hear. From Tony East of Locked On Pacers, and we are joined now by the host of Locked On Pacers, our good friend Tony East. Uh, Tony, uh, how, how's it? How's it going? Uh, how are you feeling a week out from the trade deadline, or yeah. le- less than a week now? Than the, from the trade deadline.
1: Indy's buzzing. Pascal Siakam's a pacer. The the All Star weekend is here. That's in right. Like two weeks. Free agency just started for the WNBA. So the Indiana Fever doing stuff. It is
2: a uh, quite the time for pro basketball here in Indianapolis. It, it is, it, it, and and we're obviously you know. We're recording this before the official announcement's been made, uh, but all, but we will certainly have all our eyes on Indianapolis here in in a couple of weeks. Um, you mentioned Pascal Siakam, and, and so I want to I want to start here before we dive kind of into the meat of the trade deadline tour here uh, that I'm doing for the Magic. Um, the move to get Pascal Siakam, um, it was obviously a huge one. Siakam's a, a former a former All Star, you know, one of the more impactful players that was expected to be available on this trade market. The, the big question that I have, you know, because, you know, we'd actually like to compare and contrast kind of where teams are at on the development scale. And, and, uh, you know, I would say, you know, the magic are kind of having the season the Pacers had last year, you know, they're starting to break in. They're kind of figuring out their identity, uh, and, and figuring out how to win more consistently. Um, obviously there's some injuries that kind of kept the Pacers from making the, making, uh, making the the postseason last year, but, um, why was this the time to push those chips in and go get that star player in Pascal Siakam?
1: I think a couple things matter here. I think the first one is the contractual alignment of the Pacers. Like now was a very convenient time for them before some of other guys get expensive before they're capped out. And they could have maybe signed Siakam as a free agent, but that's not a guarantee. And that still involves losing some similar players. So If you do it now, you guarantee to get him. You increase your chances of keeping him. And that's all great. They were really set up to make a big trade either this year or next season. But next summer, they would have run out of time. But the biggest reason is simple. And this is what the Magic will likely run into next year to me. And it's that Tyrese Halbert went from being, this guy's pretty good. you know, He's an all-star. He's like a top 20, 25 player. Like, oh, (laughs) geez, Louise, this guy's unbelievable. Like, he could be a guy on a very, very, very good team. Now, I would say he was playing at a top 5 to 10 level for the first two months of the season before his injury. Some people would say 10 to 15. That's fine. Very good player, right? Obviously very good and only 23. When you realize you have that for the next six years under contract, you now know that you're going to be good for a while. You would like to be make that better, right? And so it made sense all of a sudden for them to say, eh, being pretty good, you know, is fine, but we can be great now and we can be great for this whole time and we can do it while still keeping all of our young guys and a lot of firsts who still trade in the future. We should do that. And Siakam's a perfect fit. They needed four desperately. They needed someone else who could handle the ball and score when Halliburton wasn't healthy, which when they made the trade conveniently for what I just said, he wasn't. It made a ton of sense and he's been a wonderful fit so far. He just got uh, a nominee as we're speaking for a player of the month in the East for January. So clearly uh, already standing out within the, the new uniform.
2: Yeah, and, and it, it feels like finding that, that right moment to, to go for it. And and I mean, can we really say, you know, Indiana expended some draft capital, you know, Bruce Brown was a big contract, you know, everyone kind of looked yeah. kind of side eyed when they signed that big contract, it was very much no, 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 it's a two, it's like a short term deal. It's a lot of money up front, but like I, I know I tell my listeners this also all the time, like re-signing players isn't much about filling out the salary slot and having that contract to to be, to move around as much as it is about getting that player. Obviously you don't want to maybe do a four year, $25 million deal, you know, 25 per deal with someone who's not going to start for you that, that handcuffs you. But, uh, but you know, you want to have those, those pieces on the chessboard to move in. And obviously I think Indiana Set themselves up really well. I, you know, they're honestly still set up to make another big move, which we'll, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit here, uh, in a moment. But kind of coming to that realization of of how good Indiana is this year, this year, um, how much, you know, let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton. Obviously, he's going to be starting in the all star and the hometown all star game. Um, how, but you know, immediately his impact was felt in Indiana, but how. How did the thought process change as this this organization, this franchise, began to realize what Halliburton is and can be with with the system they've set up around him?
1: Yeah, it was interesting because, like you know, the action of them, their belief in him was here's all the money, right? Like this is literally everything we can give you, and the easiest way for you to make as much as possible. Clearly, they thought he could be this good. The thing that stands out about the, that belief is a lot of players that you know weren't established stars necessarily but we're like psyched to play with him because of what it means for them right let's let's just looking at some Pacers examples of recent years Aaron Neesmith you know can't crack the rotation in Boston comes to play with Tyrese Albertan oh wow this guy's pretty good Jalen Smith in Phoenix not playing comes to Indiana oh he's pretty good Miles Turner got better with Talbertan as his point guard Obi Toppin is now better or looks better playing in this Indiana system there's even more than that but that is it's not just that he's fantastic which he is it's that everyone else by default becomes a more efficient or more useful player because of how kind of cerebral and talented he is so it makes you more confident in your timeline when you know that you can take risks with your other players or you know that anyone you get will be close to the best version of themselves offensively so they knew they were going to be good right already they were 23 and 18 last year before he got hurt and missed that whatever it was game stretch where they immediately lost eight in a row and lost control of their season like the signs were already there, and so this year, when they just steamrolled everybody in the end season tournament and beat Boston twice, and beat Philly twice, and beat Milwaukee four times, like the top, the Cavs twice, the top of the East has been nothing to them. The bottom of the East has been quite the problem for the Pacers for some reason. But the top of these is no problem. You know, when you see that ceiling without a Siakam, when you see that ceiling with one guy who can elevate the rest of his teammates, you know it's there. And to like apply that to the Magic, like Franz is really great. Paolo's amazing you know i loved anthony black in the draft i had him top five i'm a big anthony black believer once you know and i think they know now but once they know yeah. know that like yeah these guys not only fit with each other but can like elevate the talent around them that's when it's time to like go go for it and not just get the complimentary pieces and i think jeff wellman's a great great exec so i believe in their timing ability but that was kind of the big swing timing for the pacers
2: yeah, and, and I think that's, you know, you, you really hit, I think, what the debate is internally for the Magic, because obviously, you know, I've been telling everyone this, that they're not making any moves or any trades right now that are meant to save this season. Like right. the, like I said, the Magic have had, a, I don't want to say the same season that the Pacers had as last year, but but very similar. They got off to a really hot start. They're kind of the it team in the league they hit the middle of the season, you know, obviously there's a Halliburton injury. The magic faced a lot of injuries, not not you know, Franz Wagner, it's about eight, nine games. Um, and then they kind of hit the swoon and they're hovering around 500. You know, I, I feel they're pretty safe to make the play in tournament at the least the seven, yeah. eight game feels like it's going to be the thing for them. Um, but, but, you know, they're, they're, they're now trying to figure out how do we get back to that high that we had early in the season and, and how much of that is about, patience and letting our young guys develop and continue to get better. And how much of it is, do we need to go out and externally get something? Do we need to get something for this year to ensure our spot or, you know, or, or accomplish our goals or, or how do we add something that not only helps us this year, but helps us for the next two to three years. And, and we're going to get into one of those potential players here in a minute, but I know one thing that I'm, I'm really obsessed with. And, and one of the reasons why I, I love the Pacers and, and, and I, and I do feel simpatico here a little bit is, um, it feels like the magic, the Pacers, and I'll go ahead and throw the Cavs in there too. Uh, although the Cavs are a little bit older, more experienced, it feels like this is kind of the future of the East. Um, we know Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia are still that that top three. What do our teams have to do to kind of break into that group? And and, and you know, obviously the Pacers made the Siaka move with that with the intention of doing that. But what is kind of the next step? For these teams to break into and challenge the elite, elite teams in the Eastern Conference,
1: uh, can they combine rosters? <laughs> that that would be really helpful.
2: Like, <laughs> our, our, can we go? Can we Voltron this?
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect. You know, it's it's funny thinking about the Magic and Pacers because, first of all, the Magic have been the Pacers' kryptonite this season, which yeah, is like the hilarious. They, them they, <laughs> yeah, smoked them twice. So the Magic are funny to me in that they they're. They're similar to the Pacers in an opposite way. The Pacers are best offense, yikes on defense, and the Magic are like, you can't score on us, but we can't score either, right? So in that way, they're opposites, and that is kind of the separator to me from them and these top teams in the East is that the Magic are elite defensively, which is going to keep them at a good record and keep them as a threatening and good team in the East. Pacers are a great offense, same thing. These teams can beat anybody because of their elite thing any night that doesn't mean they're going to win because they also stink at, at the other side of the ball. Whereas, I mean, Boston's an exception because they're one of the best. Boston's teams. just
2: Boston. I mean,
1: they're top two in both, but you know, even the bucks are, you know, top three in offense and their defense isn't great, but it's, you know, top 20. The Sixers are top, I believe 10 in both offense and defense. The Cavs are approaching top 10 in offense and are now like third in defense, right? Like you have to be there on both ends to be in that category. Team. you know, I think the Knicks are close to top 10 in both as well. So that's where the Pacers and Magic need to go next is adding the talent or making the slight tweaks to become really good or at one and kind of good at the other or pretty good at both or whatever it takes to be, you know, a team that if your offense isn't there some nights, you can run the defense in Indiana. Or if your defense isn't there some nights, you can have the requisite scoring to find a way to win as the Magic, right? The Pacers win a lot of games 139 to 133. The Magic win a lot of games 102 to 97, right? But they don't have the opposite formula in their DNA. That's what I think both of these teams need to go from, ooh, here they come, to like, okay, here they are.
2: And, and, and honestly, like, and this is why I've been pe- preaching patience with, with my listeners. I don't know if you feel the same way. This is honestly why I think it's really important for both of these teams to get to the playoffs and be in a seven-game yeah. series against these elite teams because they're going to show you exactly where your weaknesses are. The things that you think are strengths may not translate to the playoffs. Like I I have concerns about the Magic's defense a little bit in the playoffs just because of the way that they play and sometimes how they give up threes. Uh, uh, Even like a player like like Tyrese Halliburton, who's never been in the playoffs, you're going to see how a team defends him differently in the playoffs. And that's going to teach him, oh, this is what I need to get better at. Oh, they were targeting me on defense uh, when I was on defense. I need to get better at that to get to this level. And so I I always like, this is obviously an exciting time. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of rumors going around. Both of these franchises are, are, are on the uptick and we both, I think, recognize the areas that they, that they need to improve um, and, and are just looking for the opportunities to do so, but it's still about learning what your team actually needs. And it's, it's still a, in my opinion, at least. It's as much as we want these short-term rewards, it's, it's still a process. And it's still a, you know, like, again, the Denver Nuggets should have taught us to all of the, should have taught all us, all of this. It's not, you know, you don't necessarily get a quick hit championship. A championship can be a five, six, seven year journey to get. And now the Nuggets are set up for the next three, four years to, to be, to be contenders. Yeah, they um, and they
1: identified the perfect fits too, which is I feel like we kind of were about to talk about with the one specific yeah. player
2: Aaron
1: Aaron Gordon, as you know, is exactly what they needed at the four, right? KCP, exactly what they needed the two. And they just slowly from playoff failures figured that out, right? So perfect fit. Continue, sorry.
2: Let's take a quick break from our conversation to tell tell you a quick word from our friends over at Prize Picks. Look, daily fantasy games are really confusing. Like, I, I know I've played a few of them, a few of the different ones out there. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm sports literate, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know the right strategy. I don't know how to win. Why do you want to play a game that you don't know how to win? Simplicity is key, and Prize Picks gives you the best chance to win and gives you something really simple. All you have to do is put together a group of two to six players and predict whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projections. If you think Paolo Carroll is going to score more than 24 and a half points against the Timberwolves on Friday, you just say he's going to score more. That feels like a pretty good bet, doesn't it? Uh, maybe not, Minnesota's a pretty good defensive team. But that 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 sounds like a pretty that sounds pretty simple, right? That's all you want from a daily fantasy game. And the best part is, you only have to get if you have a group of 4, you only have to get 3 right to get your money back. It's it's really that simple and really that easy. Prize picks gives you the best chances to win. They give you special leagues too, if you're getting ready for the big game next week. So you can combine football and basketball players for like a combo of 10 and a half three-pointers made by LeBron and 10 and a half receptions by Travis Kelsey. It's it's really that fun and that easy. Plus, prize picks gives you the reboot policy. If a player leaves in the first half and does not return for the second, prize picks will give you that pick back scot-free. They're the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepix.com slash NBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash NBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match of up to
0: $100. Hi, I'm Jake from On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact.
2: Yeah, so let's let's dive into to the, one of the reasons that that I wanted to have here, because because Indiana definitely still has one more big move in them, and 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 if they're you know the East feels you know at least a month ago it felt pretty compact four through eight now it's still, now there's a little bit of separation and Indiana finds themselves you know in six spot which is where you want to be trying to climb back into that, that, that race for home court advantage. They, they still have one more big chip to play this season in buddy healed. And undoubtedly, you know, obviously when the report came out just before the season started that healed and the Pacers didn't come to an extension and he was looking for a trade out, everyone, you know, everyone started connecting the magic to them because the magic have some, some assets that they can move. They obviously have the shooting need. I want to start here where do things stand with Buddy Heald? Is that still a, a chip that the Pacers are looking to play here in the next week?
1: I don't know if Magic fans have seen this clip, so I'm going to cite something before I answer okay, the question go for perfectly. It. Tyrese Halberton, like once or twice a week, streams himself playing video games on, on Twitch or whatever. And someone jokingly in his chat right before the Pacers season said, Ty, Buddy got traded. Have you seen this? And Tyrese said, I would know if Buddy got traded. And then he impersonated what Buddy Heald would say to him on a phone call if he got traded to the Magic specifically. <laughs> and it was extremely funny that he specifically said the Orlando Magic. Can't believe they traded me to the Magic. It was so funny. Um, so here's the thing. I think some of the reporting about Buddy Heald before the season was just slightly, slightly too aggressive, right? So they they couldn't have gotten – to the resolution that they did and got reported. If the Pacers didn't offer Buddy Hield an extension, they would not know that there were a part on talks without doing that. And offering someone an extension means you want them on your team, you like them, and value what they can provide to you long term. Now, Hield can still be extended through June thirtieth, but it's you know no one's dumb. Like in eight days, the Pacers lose all the power, right? They can't yep. trade him anymore. They he has Buddy Hield is the only guy who can sign the extension, so obviously they have to think about moving him. I'm not saying that there's no chance it happens, but I think that that relationship is tighter than most people think, given what the reporting felt like before the season, that it was like, well, if he's not signing, we got to trade him. Chad Buchanan, the yeah. GM. And, and, I'm not like, saying you said that, but like,
2: no, 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 no. And and like, I, I say this to people all the time too. Like just be, just because you know, everyone has gotten so much into this transaction brain where a guy's about to become a free agent. You have to trade him for something. And it's like, well, no, sometimes either. Sometimes a releasing the money is okay too. And sometimes there's just nothing out there worth, worth taking back. And right. you know, it, you know, the, the trade deadline to me is always about buyers and sellers. There's, there's teams that are looking to add something and teams looking to sell something. The Pacers are buyers. They're not looking to just sell healed for nothing. They, they right. want, they got to get something in return. You know, the magic are dealing that with that a little bit with Markel Fultz, who's going to be a free agent as well. This summer doesn't really seem like he fits the plans, but the magic need a point guard really bad too. And so if you're not going to give them someone better, they're not going to, they're not going to trade him either. They'll, they'll, they'll eat the loss. It, it exactly. is. Lazy. And then there's, and then I think everyone forgets about this part too, because we've all played two K um, and we played, you know, fantasy sports for our entire lives. There, these are human beings too. And, you know, buddy healed. If he's really close with Tyrese Halliburton trading him midseason, even if you understand that's a business, that can hurt the team in the short term too. And you're still trying to win this season, even though you might be thinking about the next two to three years or or what's going to happen in the off season. So yeah, I mean, I I, I'm, I'm right with you on that. So
1: the other new value for the pay, I'd even say this is the case for the magic with Fulton. I guess Gary Harris also, right. He's expiring this year. I believe, you know, is the value changes a little when you have a really good chance at some form of postseason play, because not only do you have to, I mean, yeah, you get a long-term asset. Maybe that's appealing to you. But you lose what they give you for this stretch run and in that postseason play, right? Like, yeah. that matters. And so it's not just like trading them away because they're expiring. It's you're also trading away what they actually provide your team the rest of this season, right? And so the value has to be high enough to not care about that or like a long-term salary that fits. That I, I, I've i said a lot of stuff that makes that says like, oh, it sounds like they've keep him. I don't know. It still does make a lot of sense for them to, if they did trade Buddy Heald, like he's their third, fourth guard now. They have a lot of other young guards. So if they they can get like a longer term contract guard in that slot, I think that would make a lot of sense for them because they're going to think about the luxury tax next year after the Siakam trade, right? So it's certainly not like I'm certainly not ruling it out um, by any stretch. And it's just hard to figure out exactly what his value is with only three months till he's a free agent. In theory, he fits on any team. He's a really good shooter, but there is a rental aspect to it. His defense is not very good, right? So I think he, in theory, fits everywhere offensively. But if the Pacers do think, well, we do need to think about moving him, I'm not sure what the value actually is or where it exactly would land.
2: Yeah, and 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 like this is, I mean, this has generally been my response whenever whatever someone suggests Buddy Hill because, look, the fit for the Magic, like, you know, (laughs) the defense aside is really good. The Magic need a guy who's going to take eight or nine threes a game and make three of them. Um, they just don't have. They make three and a half of them a game. They don't have guys like that. Like the the Magic are the worst three point shooting team in the league. If they can get someone, and and it's not even about the percentages anymore. Like I tell people, take the threes. Take take. The, take it's not even just about taking the threes. It's the defense thinking you're going to take <laughs> yes. the threes and being yes. worried that you could suddenly have a five three point night and score thirty points on them right. without even thinking. Like the like honestly, like if you go down the Magic's roster. You know, Franz Wagner's had a down three point shooting year, but he's shooting 40% in his last 10 games since coming back from injury. Uh, Paolo Bancaro up around 35%. He was like uh, 33 if you take out January and February, or take out February when he was one for 18. He was sub 30 last year. Jalen Suggs is up at 38%. Joe Ingalls is shooting a little bit south of 40%. The Magic have guys who are by the numbers shooting threes and shooting better than they did in previous seasons, but they're not shooting enough of them. And they're missing the majority of them still that defenses are just like, whatever, like Joe Ingles makes two threes in a game. That's not going to kill us in the long run because you're not going to make enough threes. So like for me, like everyone talks about Markel Fultz and how he compresses the space, which he does, but I'm just, I just tell them like it honestly doesn't matter if Markel's in or if Cole Anthony's in, they're going to treat them like they're non-shooters because they're not a big enough threat. So you know, getting a guy who is going to take if you give him the minutes, will take 10 threes a game and be a threat to make four or five of them two out of every three nights that changes your offense and yeah. and that's you know that is something the magic are missing to, to make their offense at least average beyond even just good.
1: I think you fit um, very I think you fit very well for all the reasons yeah. you just you just laid out and but to like especially with Paolo becoming a better creator and guy with the ball, right? Like anywhere with a good passing guy who dominates the ball, Buddy hill's gonna be just nice, and snug just slide him in. Uh, there is a challenge to a yes. piece of magic trade with Buddy there Hill. Is, there's that two of them. Matching salaries
2: are that, that, that's different. the first one. The other one is we're very competitive. We're very competitive, and you don't want to help your you don't want to help your direct competitor. That's true. I didn't even <laughs> like, think about that. I, I know. I know. Like I know. Like people go crazy about divisions and like. Whenever someone pitches me a trade from Miami, it's like Orlando's never helping Miami. Like we're not, we're not, we're like Pat. Pat Riley can call, we're not picking up, and and I'm pretty sure he would do the same for Jeff Waltman. Like there, there's still some of those simmering rivalries, right. but like why would? I mean, we got to talk about it. it. There is something that makes sense, like stylistically, and we'll get to the salary bit here in a minute. But why would Orlando and Indiana help each other when they're fighting for the same thing? Right. It's it's you know that was the risk of Milwaukee trading Drew Holiday to Portland because the minute they traded Drew Holiday to Portland I was I was thinking to myself Drew Holiday would be a great fit in Boston and if if Boston doesn't make that call they're idiots um but they never get him out of Portland they never get him out of Milwaukee because why would those two teams talk
1: <laughs> exactly yeah that's definitely a good part of it and maybe if it's just like expirings and some tiny stuff they don't care that much but I don't know why. Yeah, the would necessarily
2: yeah, and, and like this, and this is this, and like like you said, this is the challenge. So Buddy Hield is making, uh, nineteen point three million dollars this season, expiring contract. The Magic just don't have a lot of salaries at that level. Um, Jonathan Isaac is the big one at seventeen point four. Markel Foltz is at seventeen, but you know, I'm sure India, you know, Indiana is still kind of now kind of loaded at forward, um, with Pascal Siakam. So maybe there's some duplication there, um. Markel Fultz probably doesn't fit what they do since he is not very big offensively. And then you just get to, you know, Gary Harris at 13 million expiring, you know, you know, so maybe you could do Gary Harris and Chuma Okeke, but like, does that really help Indiana like both long-term and short-term? Why, why not just try and keep Buddy healed at that point?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that makes any sense, there's two things that would make sense, I guess, would be if the Pacers really like Chuma Okeke, surprise, that would stop would surprise me or if it's somehow Isaac and like Obi Toppin goes somewhere else but that's a big risk for as you know lots of reasons with Jonathan yeah. Isaac so it's a lot
2: of, I mean it's a big honestly it's a big risk both ways because yeah, you know because because I mean Isaac's got the health issues no doubt about it um but when he plays he's really good still like he is still a defensive player yeah. of your a level player when he plays it's the when he plays part that's tricky and it it makes it hard for me to leave the magic or even entertaining offers for him, even with how favorable his his contract is.
1: I think Gary Harris and uh Caleb Houston might actually
2: be enough salary, which it might be uh it gets you close. 13. Gary Harris is thirteen, Caleb Houston is 13. two, so that's 15 that's, I, 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 I that's, that's close
1: enough. barely yeah.
2: jet howard might you know jet howard's not playing for the magic right now oh the page
1: will take a lottery pick yes they'll
2: <laughs> i don't i don't think the magic are ready to trade him yeah but they shouldn't be. that you know that or chumo kk who's you know 5.3 million this year restricted free you get his restricted free agent rights yeah um you know that that gets you close but yeah you know this is i've been telling everyone this too like Part of the magic's problem is they don't have the salaries to match for some of these bigger deals, and yep. you know I, I've been telling people this with Buddy Heald specifically. Okay, you want Buddy Heald? How much do you want to pay him this summer? Like, are you ready to give you know what is he thirty? Yeah, you know, he's 31, 30, 31. 31. Yep. Um, are you ready to give a thirty one year old a four year hundred twelve million dollar deal or something? You know, some so, you know, are you ready to pay him twenty to twenty five million a year? For the next four years and, and i don't think he's going to take the weltman special where everything's front-loaded um the magic have the cap room to do it and, and on top of that the magic have the cap room to go out and sign him this summer if they want him anyway like right. why give up something of value to get him
1: yeah a three-teamer might be the answer here right where someone who likes <laughs> chuma or likes gail busan or whatever or Really needs Gary or has Harris something
2: that Indiana or... wants because, like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's or, the other problem. Orlando is so defensive minded, which Indiana needs, but right. they still need some guys that are going to score. And and I don't think Orlando is in the position to give up anyone that can score right now,
1: <laughs> exactly. So maybe like someone who's trying to dump long term money, like Atlanta or someone else, yeah. could be the natural third team. But I'm not in the business of uh constructing giant three team trades. I, I, I <laughs>
2: whenever someone pitches me a three team trade, I usually just reject it, hat out of hand, <laughs> and say. The, the, you add a third team, the, the more teams you add to a deal, the less likely they become because trades are already hard to do. And, yeah. and look, like this, this exercise is not meant to be a negotiation or, or, or an evaluation of a trade. I, I'm, I'm big on Phillips let's find, me
1: hostage everyone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Blick twice, like, like, like twice, so let's know you're okay. Um, uh, I tend to say like let's find a framework for a deal, let's find like the basics of a deal we can, you know, we'll let the executives fill in the details. There right. is maybe a framework here but not a particularly strong strong one I would say. Like like of, of the trade deadline tour that I've done, Washington with Tyus Jones probably had the strongest framework to make something happen. Um it it, it doesn't feel like there's there's much motive, you know, much motivation for either team to to make this happen because at the end of the day you know whatever the magic are offering, unless they're putting someone unexpected in there, um, and 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 the other part of this maybe we should mention this. Cole Anthony actually uh, goes out as a bigger salary than uh, than he comes in yes. because of his extension. But um, so maybe th- th- that's someone you could throw into the mix too. But um, but it doesn't seem to make sense for either team to give things up. And at the end of the day, the magic are the ones getting the best asset. And and look, I, I think Orlando is open to trading their first round pick. They've got this really heavily protected 2025 Denver pick if they need some sweeteners. Um, but I just, I don't think there's a lot of motivation for Indiana and Orlando to help each other out. There's, there's nothing that just makes such perfect sense for each team to, 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 to pull, pull something out.
1: I agree. I think, I think we've yeah. nailed this one. Even if there are players that make sense on both teams separately, there's not a deal that, is, is there. I don't think. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's that. That's the way it goes. Sometimes that's how these things go. Um, but you know, I, I, I will continue to say this, I think, and I think this is the case for both of these teams. Like it, this year might be a little bit more important for Indiana than it is Orlando, but I, I still I, get the I sense so. that, yeah, I, I get the sense that both teams are thinking of a two to four year window more than a one year window. They're not like, all their eggs aren't in this basket. And so I think it's really important to remember with all of these things that we're talking about, the deadline, things do carry over to the off-season and there's still a chance to do a lot more heavy lifting in the off-season when teams maybe aren't held prisoner by the teams they have now and, and the situations they're in standings-wise. Like you catch a team after disappointing playoff series when they're like this, we've gone as far as we can go. You're not going to catch that team in February making that ex- unless it's right. Chicago, which know know what Chicago is. <laughs>
1: Any chance to clown the Bulls? I'm in.
2: Any chance to clown the Bulls? Well, we're, we're <laughs> we, we are our our whole roster, the whole Orlando Magic roster exists to clown the Bulls at this <laughs> I didn't point. Even think about that. That's um, very true. Uh, Tony, I, I want to thank you for for jumping on here and, and chatting a little bit about Buddy Healed and, and where the Pacers stand. Um, it's obviously we, we will be chatting. We might be chatting in April, uh, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully after game 84 instead of game 83. Um, but, (laughs) uh, we might be, we might be chatting in April, but tell everyone, tell all my listeners where they can find you if they, if they want to keep track of the Pacers, you know, one of my favorite teams to watch and one of the up and coming teams here in the Eastern conference.
1: Yeah. Locked on Pacers for the, the daily info like you can get from Philip about the magic. Um, and they're not like. Lighten it up for one forty every night anymore. They've they've tweaked their team a little bit and it's made them better, but still an extremely fun offensive team. And Tyrese Halburn's back healthy, so lots of good stuff over in Pacerland.
2: Yeah, but of course we will all have our eyes on Indianapolis here in a couple of right. weeks. I love Field Fieldhouse, one of my favorite stadiums in in the league. Uh, 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 I love the Circle City as well. Uh, Tony, uh, thanks for jumping on, and and as always, we will see you in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> Can't wait. I want to thank Tony for coming on the show, telling us a little bit, make helping us go through some of the iterations with a potential buddy heel trade. Give us an insight on on where the Indiana Pacers are at in their building and their rebuilding ideas, uh, as well as why they made the decision to go all in, you know. I wouldn't say all in, but to push some chips in for Pascal Siakam. Certainly, the Magic are very very close to that point too. I think we can all feel it. Um, so we'll see if that if that if the Magic follow a similar path here in the next year. Or so. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. You of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, such as in to Him on Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the on podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device. You can also check us out on YouTube if you want to see this podcast um, over at youtube.com slash lockdown magic. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out Orlando You can follow us on Twitter at O Magic Daily. And of course, be sure to check out my Patreon page, the Orlando Magic Hub at patreon.com slash Orlando Magic Hub. Of course, thank you all for your support. Now that journalists us, be sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel for all the latest from local experts around the Locked On Network, as well as our national shows covering all the big stories in sports. Stay on top of the sports world with Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. That's going to do it for us today, though. We will see you back here again tomorrow as the Orlando Magic take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll have a complete recap of that game. Hopefully, I'll see some of you at the watch party downtown at Elixir, um, but uh, the traffic's going to be really crazy. Downtown Orlando leading into the marathon on Saturday, so be warned for that. Um, but hopefully, I'll see somebody there as we take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll recap that game. Uh, when we're all done there. But that's going to do it for me tonight. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Phil and wright We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.